Welcome to a powerful encounter with the Word of God. Brought to you by Eastwood Annabelle. Every one of us at one point or the other in our life, we become prodigal and we have to return to God. We become prodigal, we have to return to our families. We become prodigal and the word prodigal doesn't mean a lost person. It means an extravagant person, a wasteful person, a careless spendthrift, somebody who is just wasting anything you, you put in their hands. That was the, that was, the, that, that is the, meaning of um, prodigal, so some, somebody who is profligate, the, the person is just reckless. And, and many people are like that. Whatever you put in their hand, they just lose it. Every one of us at a certain point become prodigal. Um, you become wasteful, you waste opportunity, chances. You, you waste the things that God, God gives to you and um, you stay far away. And this is the prodigal son. He went into a distant place and in that distant place, he fell into some dehumanizing conditions. And after a while, he came to himself. We call it the defining moment. And in that, at that defining moment, this guy came to himself and he decided, I'm going back to my father's house. Because in my father's house, there are many servants who have enough food to eat and they have a lot to spare. How can I sit here and perish with hunger? So he went back to his father's house and Many times we talk about the prodigal son without looking at his father. And I said the journey of destiny comprised three things. Number one, the father. Number two, the fatted calf. And number three, the feast. And today I want to do something I call focus on the father. That is today we just want to look at the father. Because so many times we look at the prodigal son so much that we don't take note of the father. So today we want to look at the father, that, that man who was the, the father of the prodigal son. And um, by Jesus talking about the prodigal son's father, he was just trying to bring our attention to God's nature, that this is how God is. When you return to God, this is the way he is. If you return to God, this is what happens. So the... The processes involved in this whole episode, the, the, the actions, the movements, the, the forces involved, all of them come to exhibit the nature of love, the way love flows and should flow from a father to children. So the Bible said in Luke chapter 15, from the verse number, I'll pick it from verse 20. So the boy arose and he came to his father. And when he was yet a great way off, the father saw him and had compassion on him and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto his father, the order story follows. But let's stay on just the verse 10. Verse 20. Let me read the verse 20 again. And he arose and came to his father. He arose and came to his father. But when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. So the first thing we are seeing about this father is 
attention. Everybody say attention. The man was attentive. All this while his son was away, he was attentive that one day this boy will come back. This man will come back. That is why a great distance away, he saw him and recognized him. The man was attentive. If you live with people and you love them, you must be attentive. You must be watchful. Your eyes must be like the eye of an eagle. You must see change of mood. You must see their movement. You must know when they are angry. You must know when they are sad. You must be seriously observant. The thing about love is attention. Attention. Nehemiah appeared before the king. The king said, mm, Nehemiah, this your look is no good. Is there a problem? He said, how can it be fine with me when the walls are broken down and the gates of Jerusalem are bent down with fire? But I want to tell us people, God's eyes are on us. The Bible said, he that watches over Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. There is nothing that happens to you and God is not aware. He said, even when one strand of hair from your head falls, God takes note of it. He takes note of it. Sometimes, some of the prayers we pray, they are prayers of unbelief. Lord, remember me, oh God, remember me. Today, God, you must remember me. Listen. You are staging a coup d'etat. Or you are going on strike with God. There is nothing about you he doesn't know. And when you even say, Father, remember me, it is more about you going to trigger a covenant between you and God into existence. It's not that God has forgotten you. He's always waiting for something to trigger. He's, he's always, always waiting for you to... to um, to take a certain move. That's what God is always waiting for. And I want to announce to somebody today that God has his eyes on you. He has never forgotten about you. He knows you are in need. He knows you are in need. May God meet you at the point of your need. So the Bible said, whilst he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. And when the father saw him, movement. So the first thing I'm talking about is attention. The second thing I want to look at is affection. The father saw him from afar off and he had compassion on him. Compassion and affection are related because you see, if you don't have affection somebody towards somebody, you cannot have compassion towards the person. Compassion is a product of affection. You know, affection is not an emotional thing which is always romantic. No. So if you say you have affection towards somebody, it does not mean that romantic, sexual kind of life. No. Affection goes with compassion. If you have affection towards somebody, you will have compassion on the person. Like the, the kind of relationship we have towards our children. The affection is there, and the affection produces compassion. So the man saw his son and had compassion on him. We are the offspring of God spiritually. God, we, he has compassion on us. When you are hungry, he has compassion. 
You have no accommodation. He has compassion. You are in pain. God has compassion. God looks at your family and the things you are going through and he has compassion. We, we, we made God look so hard and, and I will go back to our prayer. Even the way we pray. Somebody say in the name of Jesus 20 times. In the name of Jesus. If the Peter who raised the cripple at the gate of the temple beautiful. If he wanted the cripple to say in the name of Jesus 20 times. And tell the cripple. Say in the name of Jesus 20 times. That cripple would have been sitting there for a very long time. Listen to me. In the name of Jesus once is enough. To raise the dead. Jesus stands in the... Jesus stands at the tomb of Lazarus and he said, I know you have heard me already concerning this matter. He turned now and said, roll away the stone. After that, he said, Lazarus, come forth. You know what? Sometimes our very long prayer and the shouting and the screaming and the jumping is a sign of unbelief. To be honest with you, Jesus walked the face of the earth 33 and a half years. Check his life. He didn't do the kind of things we do. Even when he had to pray all night, it was just him alone with God. And when he went to pray, just before he went to the cross, the Bible said he left his disciples a distance, went a stone throw away, knelt down and began to pray. And from the context of the prayer, you can see that he wasn't hopping and jumping all over the place. Now, am I, am I saying that your church members should not jump. Please, if they don't jump, your church will collapse. And that's because these are Africans. We believe in hard labor. So let your Christianity be African. And your church in Africa will survive. You see, they are clapping. What they are saying is, Daddy, we don't care what you say. We will want to jump. We will want to hop. Look, we will believe. You know, Africa, well, if there's pepper in the soup, that is good pepper. That is good soup. Oh, zero and this color and then they put local anesthesia and they try to twist it nicely and put POP. No. Then we say, ah, this is this, this is proper treatment. And we call it African medicine. They hold the leg, then they go down. When they finish, then they say, <laughs> Now I can feel it. They've really pulled the leg. And when they come to you, a pastor, and they say, Look, Pastor, I have not slept for one week. Pray for me. And you go, Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Rosamond. I ask for a miracle in her life in the name of Jesus. Hey, my dear, it is done. When they go out and they ask, how was the prayer? I said, lazy pastor. <laughs> lazy pastor. Do you know the kind of prayer? Just pray. Just touch me and say, it is enough. But when they come and you bring seven prayer warriors, 
spitting saliva. In spite of the corona. Corona bakata. Corona bataka. Bakatu Say, I'm free. I'm free. I'm free. And everybody's hopping like Professor Bill screaming. When they finish and they go out, they say, How was the prayer? Oh, are you a car in a mechanic? I'm not talking to somebody. At all. You see, but Jesus saw this man from afar. Attention. He had compassion on him. What I'm saying is sometimes all the antics and the semantics and the things you do in prayer, they are not necessary because he knows you already. So Jesus said, and when you pray, don't use repetitive words like the Pharisees. Because your heavenly father hears you already. You see, Pastor Joel Austin's church in America, if it's in Africa, I don't know how it will work in Africa. The man is so calm behind the pulpit. The whole congregation is sitting there. They are enjoying it. The crowd is full. 20 something thousand every Sunday. You see the way Joyce Meyer talks. The whole place is filled. No, Africa to be a different thing. You have to tell them God is going to change where you sit. And to prove that he will change where you sit, everybody take your chair. <laughs> Lift up the chair because God is about to change where you sit. You see them carry chairs. Everybody put that chair down. Sit on it 20 times. <laughs> Listen. I'm not saying we shouldn't do things like that. Once in a while, God may call for that. But you know what? This is our mentality sometimes make the false pastors deceive us. All the Fanchinibra, Famecobra, Fawebra, it came from things like this. Superstition. I'm praying that the just shall live by faith and that this book of the law will not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein. Now, if you ask many pastors who are very, very anointed, the things you tell people to do before they receive healing or deliverance, do you do the same thing? They will tell you no. I can promise you that many of them, they don't do what they make you do. They don't. I'll give you another example that will shock you. You have stomach ulcer, heart problems, diseases. You go to the pastor and the pastor says, go and fast seven days. Where in the Bible did you see Jesus telling a sick person to go and fast? You the one who is saying it is your job to cast out the devil. You should do the fasting. And then free the sick person. And there was If I could do the fasting, I won't come to you. It's just like if I go to a doctor. The doctor goes through the work. I pay the doctor money. I receive my healing. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't fast, but, but you see, I do a lot of fasting, but I can't remember I ever fasted looking for healing. 
I don't fast to look for healing. No. By his stripes I was healed. The chastisement of my peace was upon him. And when I am sick and I need healing, I speak the word. Because when he sent forth his word, his word heals and delivers from destruction. Listen, when you see me fast, it is because I want my relationship with God to be intact. I'm looking for intimacy with God. I'm looking for holiness. I'm looking for righteousness. I want time to be with God. I don't fast because I want to cast out the devil. Because you know what? The demons, they are under my feet. Somebody will say, what about what the Bible says that this one does not come out by fasting, but by fasting and prayer. He was talking to the disciples. You don't have enough fasting and prayer in your account. So you guys, go and fast some more and come and deal with this. But he said, as for me, my fasting account is full. So Jesus did not go to fast before he would come and cast out the devil because he was ready. You know what? Sometimes you're quickly running, I want to do this and that. It's because you yourself, you are not ready. I pray that somebody today will understand that God loves you. He has compassion. Do all the fasting. Do all the praying. Listen, if you feel like praying, God will answer you if you march around this building seven times. Go ahead and do it. But whilst you are doing all that you are doing, please always remember that God loves you and he's more interested in your healing and your deliverance more than even you yourself are interested in. So, we are talking about attention and we are talking about affection and we are also talking about acceleration the bible said when he saw the son he ran to go and meet him the son is coming and the father is running i want to believe the father ran even before the son started running can you imagine you've sinned against your father and after all these years you're going to your father and your father is rather running ladies and gentlemen god is more eager for you to return to him than you are to return to him. Tell your neighbor sitting by you, stop running away from God and go back to him. Go back to God. Stop, stop running away. Sometimes we run and we start confessing sins that don't exist. And Father, if I have done anything wrong against you, forgive me. That is the most insulting apology you can ever apologize to somebody. Please, if I have done anything wrong, Forgive me. Now, if, if you know you haven't done anything wrong, don't come at all. But, but when he saw him afar off, the father ran to go and meet him. Acceleration. So we talked about attention. We talked about affection. Talking about acceleration. That God is in a hurry for you to come back home. God is in a hurry for you to come back to church. God is in a hurry for you to come back to kingdom. So anybody under the sound of my voice who has fallen or you backsliding or you, you've lost your track with God. You, you've gone off track with God. God is waiting for you to come back. And the Bible said he fell on his neck. That is attraction. He fell on his neck. That is attraction. You are talking about the body contact. He fell on his neck. That is attraction. Listen, God has affection towards us. And that affection has got attraction. You see, affection is an issue of the heart. Attraction is a body thing. It's a physical thing. 
you can feel it. Attraction is the one that will let God take hold of your hand. But, but he, he hugged him, fell on his neck. That is attraction. Husband and wife. There are even wives and husbands who don't hug each other. If you are a man and you have a wife or a husband, you people have never hugged each other. For the past one month, nothing like that. One week, nothing like that. They can spend the whole day and they haven't touched each other. They call this kind of marriages, don't touch me marriage. You can follow me, but don't touch me. So you see, it makes the marriage boring. It makes it boring. Don't touch me. No affection. And you know, the touching and the affection, they go with hygiene and everything. If you know your husband will hug you, or your wife will hug you, or they'll come close to you, or they'll put their neck on you, you are forced to brush your teeth constantly. And if you are a man too, you remove the hair from your nose. Because you know, your wife may come there and see the forest coming out of your nose. And then you will clean your armpit because you know, if you hug your wife, your wife will say, Yo, Kai Wanka, have you bathed today? So some men, to avoid all these questions, they will not even go near the wife so that you know from afar off, their leprosy cannot be, cannot be detected. Some of the women too, the hygiene is a problem. When you ask them, you say, oh, I was cooking. So they are smelling smoke. By the time you come, your wife is the light soup. And that's because she smells pepper. She smells of onion. She smells of granite. She smells of fish. And then she smells of the goat meat she just cooked. So if you are going to hug your wife, it's better to go and hug a goat. And in this generation of wake, they will sweat in the wake. Somebody say, Pastor, how do you know? We lay hands on you all the time. We lay hands on you. Sometimes we lay hands and we are like trying to say, Father, in the name of Jesus. By the time we go near your ear to say in the name of Jesus, nothing advises us to back off. As soon as we say in the name of, then we hear back off. A week and a capano, spray it well. And then when you get up Sunday morning and you realize that the week, there's a smell in it, then just take it and make. <laughs> so you mean just doing this will take it off? Somebody said, how do you know? I'm just imagining. <laughs> but you know, the, the attraction, the attraction. That is why when we come to God, we look the way we look. You read Ezekiel 16, and it tells us about attraction, the way you look, the way God dresses you, the way God dressed Jerusalem. When he, he loved Jerusalem, 
the way he dressed Jerusalem, the way he took care of Jerusalem, the way he decked Jerusalem with, with ornaments. Dressing and appearance is part of attraction. That you dress a certain way. You, you, you dress a certain way. So that you appeal to your, your partner. You see, ladies and gentlemen, love is a spiritual thing, but it's also a physical thing. Please. One day when you are marrying, marry a husband. Don't marry a Christian husband. Now, this is very controversial. But let me explain it. Don't marry a man because he's a Christian. Marry a man because he's a husband. Because there are many Christians who are good Christians, but they are bad husbands. They love God, but they don't love a woman. They love God, but they don't love a man. The fact that somebody is a good Christian doesn't mean the person will make a good husband. But you see, you can never marry an unbeliever even if he's the best of a husband. As for if the person is an unbeliever, it's out. You cannot marry an unbeliever no matter how the person packages himself or herself as a wife or husband. You understand? So, when it comes to husband, unbeliever is out. When it comes to wife, an unbeliever is out. Now, when you come into a church, don't marry a man or a woman simply because they love God. They may love God, but they don't love you. They may be good Christians, but they are bad husbands and bad wives. Oh, what? Why, why, why do you want to marry him? We go to the same church. Are you sure it's enough? Why do you want to marry her? Oh, she fears the Lord. Those are the women. Can you imagine? You marry this woman. She, she, she loves the Lord. I agree. You are going near her. She says, today I'm fasting. But you didn't tell me you are going to fast today. The secret things belong unto the Lord. But those things that are revealed belong to us. Oh, see, see. The fact too that a man loves the Lord doesn't mean he will be a good husband. Listen, some of even preachers or pastors are the most terrible husband you can ever meet. They preach well. They teach well. They are anointed. They can cast out devil. But the same way they cast out devil is the same way they cast out woman. It's not part of him. He, he's not a man who will come to you and give you a peck. Mm, I love you. No. He loves the Lord. And then he loves his church members. You the woman, you are not part of his equation. Oh, um, will you marry me? I'll marry him. Oh, don't you see the way the guy is very busy in the church? Running around with cameras. He will shoot you. You, you. He will use the camera and shoot you in the house. He will give you video coverage. The fact that the person is busy doesn't mean he, he will be a good husband. Oh, 
Over Warren, oh, me, me, Perva, Ade, I say, oh, no, who is Empire, or ya, dear, pa, with empire. Empire, pa, Mrs. Aguano, empire. Oh, whom, pa, is that? Oh, And all your tongues. Oh, whom, pa, or your tongues. But here is a man, no attraction. He doesn't even know the size of his belt. You are Delilah. You want to cut my hair and I'll lose my power. Prayer warrior. So, you see them, they say, I want to marry a Christian husband. I agree. Marry a Christian husband. If it's full, Christian who is a husband. But don't marry a Christian because you think automatically he's a husband. I want to marry a Christian wife. Don't no, she may be a Christian, but she's not a wife because her mouth is too sharp. Some of the Christian wives, when they shoot one or two arrows, attraction. So the thing about love is the attention, the affection acceleration, attraction, finally affirmation. Affirmation. So the man saw the son and the man began to say that this my son, he was dead. Now he's alive and he kissed him. Kissing is affirmation. When you give somebody a kiss, you are saying, I've accepted you. I love you. So the man kissed his wife. Sorry, he kissed his, um, his son. He said, I affirm you. So God said, thou art my beloved son, and in thee I am well pleased. So, affirmation. If you love me, say it. If you love me, say it. When God loves you, he says it. Now, if you love your wife, you say it. If you love your husband, you say it. You love your children, you say it. So, you finish talking to your son. Hey, Kwame, talk to you later. I love you. Never finish talking to your children without adding that I love you. Never. I love you. I believe you've been blessed by this message. For further information, please visit www.eastwoodanaba.com. God bless you richly.